a great time of worship. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. What a great, what a great time of worship. It's such a blessing to be back with you, and it was beautiful drive down. So sunny out, and it feels it feels good, right? And so it feels good to be with you as well. And so it's been a great Sunday already, and just pray that God continues to use these next few moments to make the day even better to make the day even better. I wanted to direct your attention to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. We're going to be looking at this passage in some great detail today. The title of this morning's message is, Take Heart, Get Up, Jesus is Calling You. Take Heart, Get Up, Jesus is Calling You. Mark chapter 10 Verses 46 through 52 reads like so. And they came to Jericho, and as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he, Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. God love this guy. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he, Bartimaeus, sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you what? Well. Well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, followed Jesus on the way. Wow, what a passage. The Gospel of Matthew records this, and in Mark's account, he tells us there were two blind beggars, and indeed there was two. Mark is not disputing that in this text. Mark is simply focusing our attention on Bartimaeus. Because he wants you to see what Jesus is doing in Bartimaeus' life. And so Mark is narrowing our attention to what Jesus is doing in the life of this one beggar, Bartimaeus. Now, in order to fully appreciate Jesus stopping for Bartimaeus, you really need to get your mind around the pressures that Jesus was dealing with at this point in his life. 
Mark wants you to get your mind around the pressure that Jesus was dealing with. And so Mark chronicles for you the various pressures that Jesus was dealing with in this very chapter. Now, the passage we just read is at the end of chapter 2, chapter 10. But at the beginning of chapter 10, he begins to chronicle pressure. So at the beginning of chapter 10, Mark tells you that Jesus is dealing with the pressure of ministering to a crowd. And there's pressure in ministering to a crowd, I can tell you that. And Jesus was dealing with it. Dealing with pressure of ministering to a crowd that had a misguided understanding of the kind of Messiah that Jesus came to be. They had different expectations for Jesus. They had a misguided expectation of who Jesus was and what he was sent to accomplish. And in just a matter of days, there would be many in that crowd who would join the crowd in Jerusalem who would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus knew that when he was ministering to them. He knew that many of them would be shouting, crucify him in just a few days. And yet, despite the pressure, Jesus ministers to the crowd anyway. You see that in chapter 10. Mark wants you to see that. Also in this chapter, you see Jesus dealing with the pressure of discipling a core group of leaders. A lot of pressure that goes in to developing leaders. And you feel that pressure here in this chapter. Because in this chapter, Jesus disciples into his core group an understanding of the kingdom, an understanding of childlike faith, an understanding that if you want to be first, you have to be last, an understanding that God has no debtors. You find all of that in chapter 10. In the midst of all this, Jesus is discipling this understanding into his leadership right here in the midst of all of this. And Jesus ministered to them knowing that those in his own core group just a few days from now would, would abandon him in his most critical of hours. Yet he keeps investing in them anyway. He knows they're going to abandon him, but yet he keeps discipling them, keeps investing in them anyway, knowing that just a few days they're going to leave him. But yet he ministers to them anyway. Mark also wants you to see that Jesus was dealing with the pressure of culture. In this very chapter, Jesus makes a stand for biblical marriage, and he stands against materialism, and he makes those stands knowing full well that he had enemies there that were looking for a gotcha moment who would be trying to use these stands to say gotcha. But yet, despite all of that, he makes the stands anyway. Pressure. He also had the pressure of the cross. Right here in this chapter, you see it. Now, Jesus felt the pressure of the cross his whole life because he came to die for sinners. But yet in this chapter, he tells his very own core group, his, his disciples, he tells them that in Jerusalem, he's going to face persecution and death. He tells them it's coming. And Jesus knows, because he's told him, he knows he's in his last days of his life here on this earth. And yet, 
despite all of that, the very next chapter, chapter 11, we find Jesus riding into Jerusalem to carry our cross anyway, knowing that when he rode in Jerusalem that he was going to die. He went anyway. You talk about pressure, pressure of ministering to a crowd, pressure of his core leadership group, pressure of culture, pressure of the cross, pressure at every level. If you really study this chapter, you are exhausted because you realize what Jesus is dealing with. I mean, everything I mentioned is all laid out for you in this one chapter. Now, when we think about the pressure of a crowd, the pressure of, a, of investing in others, a core group, or the pressure of culture, the pressure of a cross, we all know that pressure in part. All of us do. We know what pressure feels like in part, but none of us know the full extent of the pressure that Jesus experienced when he came to save you and I from our sin. None of us can fully, fully appreciate it. We know it in part, but we can't fully appreciate the pressure that Jesus was under. And yet, despite the pressures of chapter 10, right there at the very end of that chapter, pressure, 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 all the way through chapter 10, and then when you get to the end of chapter 10, despite the pressure, who does Jesus stop for? Blind Bartimaeus. Pressure, 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 and he stops for Bartimaeus who is calling out for help. I don't know about you, but when I'm dealing with pressure, I don't much feel like helping somebody else deal with pressure because I got so much on my own. I don't know what it is about that, but when things get heavy, we take care of self. We're really good at ministering when things are good, but when things are bad for us, we kind of narrow down and focus in on self. I got to get myself help. Jesus was dealing with pressures for way back, and yet the pressures didn't distract him from a blind beggar on the roadside. Traveling down the road, pressure, pressure, people are on him, a great crowd is following, everybody's wanting a selfie. He's getting pulled, he's getting tugged. He knows what's coming. He knows the cross is waiting for him. He knows that those around him are going to betray him. He knows that those who love him now will be part of the execution several days later. He knows all of this pressure, but he stops to minister to Bartimaeus. The noise of that pressure, the noise on the road, and he stops. talk a little bit about who he stops for here. Blind Bartimaeus. Who is this guy that he stops for? Who is this Bartimaeus fellow? Well, we're told he's a blind beggar. Now, in that day, 
the way that people understood blindness, and it was an error. The erroneous thinking around blindness, the erroneous thinking, the error in thinking was that old Bartimaeus was blind because of some sin that he committed or his family committed. So people looked upon him and they saw his blindness and said, that's God's judgment upon his life. Either he sinned or someone else in his family sinned. So when they looked upon him, that guy there is a sinner. And his judgment is against him. It was an error, but that's what everybody thought, including Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus couldn't quite figure it out. He, he just assumed somebody along the way sinned, and I can't see. Either I did or my family did, and I can't see because of judgment for that sin. And so Bartimaeus was accursed by the society of Jericho. He was an outcast. He was looked down upon. He was marginalized to that of a beggar. Begging was all that he hoped to do. By the way, it's all he thought he deserved to do. Because he asked him, why are you blind? Well, somebody sinned, either me or my family. Well, this is judgment. He felt that shame, the weight of that shame. He was a man in the shadows, begging on the roadside. A permanent fixture in Jericho as a reminder to everybody, that right there is what happens when you sin. <laughs> he couldn't see, but he could hear. Mark tells us that he heard. He could hear. And he had heard about Jesus. Everybody was talking about him. He could overhear what everybody was talking about. He had heard about Jesus' teachings. He had heard about Jesus' miracles. He had heard that some even thought that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He'd heard it. By the way, side note, kind of cool, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in nearby Bethany before this happened. <laughs> so everybody in Jericho knew what happened in Bethany. This Jesus raised somebody from the dead. Everybody in Jericho was buzzing about that miracle, about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Everybody was talking about it, and, and Bartimaeus was listening. And he began to think, well, if I could ever, ever get in front of Jesus, what he did for those, he could probably do for me. I don't know if I'll ever get to. <laughs> if I could get in front of somebody like that, he wouldn't let me sit in the darkness anymore. How am I going to get to him when I'm just here on the side of the road? If I ever could, things would change. And so on this day, on the occasion of Mark chapter 10, he heard the sound of that of a parade coming down Jericho Road. Now, he was an expert on sounds. He knew the road noise. This was different. Commotion, again, like that of a parade. Luke tells us in his gospel that he began to ask around what was happening, and he was told that Jesus of Nazareth was coming down the road. Don't you know he was excited? Again, what's he thinking? And it's quick, quick thoughts. What's happened for others could happen to me. I'm a guy with no hope, but hope is walking down the road. 
and what can only be described as the work of the Holy Spirit, there on the roadside, he cries and screams out, Jesus, Son of David, say it with me, have mercy on me. And those around him told him to hush, kind of put him back in his societal place. But despite all of that, he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I don't know what others were crying out for Jesus, what they were saying that day. But this guy was crying out for mercy. Everybody else says, Jesus, over here. Jesus, take a look at me here. Jesus, my family's over here. Jesus, stand for this selfie here. A lot of requests. But what pierced through that noise was a sinner begging for mercy. That's the noise that landed on the ear of our Savior. That through all the noise and the pressure, he heard the cry of that sinner begging for mercy, and it landed in our Savior's ear. Listen, our Lord's ear is in tune with sinners who cry out for him. And when he heard that cry, he stopped. And when he stopped, everybody stopped, everything stopped. And Jesus said, call him. Call Bartimaeus. It's interesting in Luke's gospel, Jesus commanded them to go, to go, to go bring Bartimaeus to him. It makes some sense when you put it together because Bartimaeus is blind and so he doesn't know where Jesus is at in the road. And so Jesus stops. He calls. He says, call him. And he sends those around him to go, go bring him to him. You kind of get the image. Walking down the road, he hears Bartimaeus. He stops. He looks. And he says, call him, bring him here to me. Bring him here to me. He looked to those around him and said, do you hear that? Call him, bring him to me. And they shuffled their feet away from Jesus. <laughs> they went to Bartimaeus. And what did they say to him? Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. He's hailing you. I don't know where you're at in this story thinking about driving here today. And by the way, I got a lot of time to think when I drive down here too, but thinking about this, wouldn't you like to be those around Jesus shuffling off to go grab Bartimaeus to tell him the good news that Jesus stopped for him and then to help Bartimaeus out to Jesus? Wouldn't have that been something? Jesus stops. What are we stopping for? Did you hear that? Bartimaeus is calling for him. Call him. Go, 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 go bring him to me. I just would have liked to have been the guy that shuffled off to get Bartimaeus. <laughs> I'd have liked to have split the crowd and say, no, Bartimaeus is who Jesus is requesting. Bartimaeus, take heart. <laughs> Good news. 
Get up. He saw the vision. It was good news. It was good news to Bartimaeus. The Bible says he took off that cloak. It's likely a cloak that he used to catch money with as folks would pass by. He knew he wasn't going to be needing that anymore. If he knew something was going to change. If he had done all these things for others, here I am blind. Things are going to change for me. And he sprang up like a new man. Jesus saw it. Everything changes when Jesus is there. And he sprang up to his feet and he's like, bring me to him. I'm ready. And so they brought him out to Jesus, likely there in the middle of the road. Can you get the scene? Big crowd. Everybody's stopped. Who's Jesus wanting to see? The one person nobody else wants to see. Bartimaeus. And they bring him out to him. And there Bartimaeus is, standing before the Messiah. What happens next is wild. Wildly incredible. What's Jesus? Jesus breaks the silence. Didn't want there to be any more awkward pressure for Bartimaeus. And so Jesus says, tell me what you want me to do for you. You guys see that? We read it earlier. In verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? That's a question that a servant asks. What do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? Jesus fashioned himself into that of a servant in order to meet the needs of this blind beggar who everybody thought was a symbol of God. What can I do for you? Jesus wants to meet the needs of those who need him, who call out to him. What do you want me to do for you? What would you have asked for if you were Bartimaeus? Here's his chance, man. He's standing before the one who spoke the world into existence. And the one who spoke the world into existence is now speaking to him and saying, what do you want me to do for you? And so what did Bartimaeus ask for? His sight. Want to be able to see. Want to be able to see. Now, we know that when he's asking for sight, he's asking for more than just physical sight. We know that. We know that. He's not just asking to see physically. Because what did... Bartimaeus think about his blindness. He saw it as judgment for what? Sin. Remember what he's calling out to Jesus for on the roadside? Jesus, son of David, have what? Mercy on me. And so, the way he's got all this twisted in his mind, and the way the others did, 
is that the only way he was able to the only way that he was able to see physically is for Jesus to remove the judgment from his life. Judgment on the sin that caused the blindness in his mind to begin with. He sees his blindness as a result of sin. And so when he says, Jesus, I want to see, he's asking for physical healing, yes. But he's also asking for spiritual healing. Because in his mind, he believes that he can't see because of judgment. And so God, have mercy on me. Remove this judgment from my life. And if you remove that judgment from my life, I'll be able to see again. For him, physical blindness and being able to see was inextricably connected to the need for mercy to be applied to the sin in his life. Are you guys with me on this? I can't see. I can't see because I guess there's some sin that I'm being judged for. I want to be able to see. And the only way I'm going to be able to see is for mercy to be applied to my sin. And that judgment be removed. And then if mercy is applied to my sin and that judgment's removed, the veil goes away and I'm able to see again physically. He is asking for a physical healing, that's for sure. I want to be able to see. But he's also asking for a spiritual healing. Have mercy on my sin. I want to be able to see physical healing. I need mercy on my sin to do it. Spiritual healing. He's asking for a healing. He's asking to be made new. I want to be able to see. And the Lord knew just what he was asking for. I want to be able to see physically, physical healing. I want to have mercy on my sins, spiritual healing. This right here is a public confession of faith. When he asked the Lord for, for sight, it is a public confession of faith. Because right there in that row before God and everybody else, he is saying this. Jesus, I know who I am. I'm a sinner. I can't hide that from you. I'm blind. I mean, the mark of judgment's on me. I can't hide that from you. I know who I am. I'm a sinner. But I know who you are. And I believe what everybody has been saying about you. I believe you're the Messiah. And so because I believe you're the Messiah, I'm asking you in front of all of these people, I'm asking you to do what only God can do. What do you ask God? If you stand before God, you ask him to do something that only he can do. And when he asked for sight, what he was saying is, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah right there in front of everybody. I'm asking him to heal me physically, give me my sight back. And I'm asking him to forgive my sin, to have mercy on me, and to remove judgment I'm, I'm asking him for spiritual healing. I'm asking him for something that only God can do because I believe he is the Messiah. This is a request of faith. He is hedging everything on the Christ. You are who I've heard you to be. 
I can't see you with my eyes, but by faith I know you are who you are. And man, the Lord had compassion on him. Matthew says so much compassion that right there in front of everybody, Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches that man's eyes. Touches the one that everyone laughed at and called accursed. Touching the one that was marginalized, outcast. Touching the one that everybody looked down upon. After Jesus touched him, Mark says that he healed Bartimaeus immediately. Immediately he could see. Immediately, right there on the spot in front of everybody. He touched him and immediately he was healed. What kind of healing did he receive? We've been talking about it, a physical healing. Mark says that he could see. Immediately his sight was there. Physical healing. But he also received a spiritual healing. Luke says in his gospel that right there on the spot, Bartimaeus began to worship God like everybody else there. (laughs) Just right there on the spot, he just has a spell and begins to worship God for what he had done in his life. So he's a worshiper. And then Mark tells us, and this is so important, Mark says that he became a follower, that he followed him along the way. Now, when Jesus healed him, let's go back to our text just for a moment. Look at verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you what? Well, and immediately... He recovered his sight, physical healing, and followed him on the way, spiritual healing. Go your way, your faith has made you well. That little phrase, your faith has made you well, is an important phrase. It means not just a physical healing, but it carries with it also the understanding of a spiritual healing. It means both. Go your way, your faith has made you well. Go your way, you've got physical healing, and go your way, you've got spiritual healing. Again, we know it because Luke says that he immediately began to worship, and Mark tells us here that Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the way. All of a sudden, Bartimaeus could see, and who's the first person he saw? Jesus. And he couldn't take his eyes off of him. And he just followed him along the way. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Look at it again. It's interesting. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. So many people had received a miracle from Jesus, and they just went on their way. And Jesus has given him the shot. You're well. You've got what you asked for. Go your way. But Bartimaeus didn't go his way. It says that he followed Jesus along Jesus' way. Bartimaeus is like, my way, my way is your way, so where are we going? And where was Jesus going? The next chapter, he's going to Jerusalem. And so Bartimaeus follows Jesus along the way, following Jesus likely to Jerusalem, And with his new eyes to see. It's likely that Bartimaeus was a first-hand witness to the passion of Christ. 
likely with his own eyes saw Jesus carry that cross for him and die on Mount Calvary for him. With his own eyes, he was able to see firsthand the Messiah dying on the cross for him so that Bartimaeus would never have to live in darkness ever, ever again. This is something, isn't it? Jesus is feeling pressure, and on his way to the cross, he stops for Bartimaeus. By the way, most believe that Bartimaeus was likely a leader in the first church. That's why his name is listed here. Mark wants you to know, you know, everybody knows Bartimaeus. Here's his story. Bartimaeus, he's out there leading everything. You know Bartimaeus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was... This is why he followed Jesus, because Jesus stopped for him. And because Jesus stopped for him, he hasn't taken his eyes off him yet. Oh, Bartimaeus, his eyes are always on the Lord. It has been since the day that the Lord opened up his eyes on Jericho Road. What's this all about? You have all this pressure in chapter 10. You have Jesus riding into Jerusalem in chapter 11. And right in the middle of this pressure, and on his way to the cross, you have this miracle take place. Why? Right in the crux of all this pressure and the cross, you have this, this miracle. This is a reminder to us that plan A for Jesus is saving sinners what it's all about and he did not allow pressure to distract him from Bartimaeus from the cross or the mission of saving sinners like you and me Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus and he stops for Bartimaeus today I was telling some earlier today, you know where they're all at this morning? They're at Bucky's. We stopped there today. They're all there. They're not hiding from you. Jesus is stopping for sinners. And if you and I are following him closely, that means we're stopping right along with him for sinners. Jesus is not distracted by what's going on. <laughs> the headlines or in Washington or anywhere else. He is laser focused now like he always has been on the Bartimaeus who's calling out for him. And while we're on our phone or while we've got our worry stone out worrying about world events, Jesus is still laser focused on sinners who need him. And he's still stopping for him, for them. And if you and I are following Jesus closely, that means we're stopping a lot. It's my fear that we don't handle pressure as good as Jesus. That we become so distracted that when Jesus stops, we just keep walking. And we miss out on all the good stuff. Like being able to walk Bartimaeus out to the roadside and watch Jesus put his fingers in his in his eyes and heal him. We miss out on so much of that because we're distracted. 
And when Jesus stops, we just keep walking. Not all of us. And by the way, with me, I got good days and bad days. And sometimes when the moon's aligned just right, I'm obedient and I stop. But the worst part about me is sometimes I don't. And it makes me sick. Our Lord's not like that. He's not like that. If he had passed by, there wouldn't be any of us here. He was so laser focused on you, he stopped, didn't he? And there was somebody that stopped with him. And he said, hey, call him, go, go to him, bring him to me. And somebody did. And Jesus did for you what he did for Bartimaeus. Jesus stops for sinners. And when he stops, he looks for us and sends us to go bring them to him. And woe be to us if he stops and we're not with him. You're in the process as a church. You're in transition. There is a lot to think about. There is a lot to weigh. There's so many variables. But there's only one thing that matters. Is God has you here because there are so many Bartimaeuses who are so desperate for hope. And he's ready like he always has been. And he's winning them. He's saving them. He's, he's doing miraculous things in their life. And he doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to be in position where you can see him do what he does. Where you can see him do what he does. My big prayer for you is you'll find a pastor whose heart's broken for sinners. And that's all he thinks about is winning more and more people for Christ because he knows he's got a Savior who's stopping all day long. I pray you get a pastor whose heart is hot for a Savior who stops and wants to be sent and gets you in all the right positions to see Jesus do what he does. Jesus still makes the blind see. He still makes the lame walk. I don't care what you say. He still does it. And he makes the lepers cleansed. He makes the deaf hear. He makes the dead rise. He brings the poor, the outcast, and he gives them a place at the table. That's our Jesus. And he stops. And his heart is broken over Katie. And he wants to get you in such a position where you can see him change lives. And man, when you see Jesus change lives... That'll be the only thing that really matters. What do you think about that? You guys with me on this? Isn't he wonderful? You bow your heads for just for a moment. I just want you to deal with this one question. This is for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while. When's the last time you've stopped when Jesus has stopped for somebody? You are in a sea of humanity. Your week ought to be interrupted all week long. Are you too distracted for an interruption? Do you get frustrated at a, at a Savior who stops? Are you too fast-paced for life change? Who are you passing by that Jesus is stopping for? Who is he saying to, to you, go bring him to me? Could be somebody you know. 
Why don't you bring them to me? Just do it. Just bring them to Jesus. It could be somebody you just see today and pass by today. Or, or you've been passing by every week at a, or you, you get gas each week. Or, or maybe that person that cuts your hair each, each month. These people in the rhythms of your life, on the roadside, on the roadside. Don't pass them by. If you have a Savior who can heal them, don't pass them by. Be ready for the Lord to send you to them and say, bring them to me. Today's the day. It's going to happen. It's going to be something. Bring them to me. Don't miss it. Do not miss it. Get in the middle of that. That's what this is all about. That's, a, that's what church is all about. Bringing people to the one who can save them. Again and again. Who are you passing by? Who are you bringing them? I don't have it all figured out. I'm as guilty as anybody in this room at passing people by, I, but I'm sick of it. I want those missed opportunities to become fewer and fewer. There are some of you in here who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not a Christian. I want you to know something. He's stopping for you right now. He sent me to tell you, take heart, get up, he's calling you. He'll forgive you your sin, he'll make you a brand new person, he'll give you the life that he's always wanted you to have, he'll take you to heaven this life is over, he'll do it immediately like he did for Bartimaeus. But he's stopping for you right now, today is the day for you to call out on Christ in faith and ask him, to do for you what only he can do, which is to save you, forgive you of your sins, and make you a brand new person. He'll do it for you. He has done it for most everyone in here. He'll do it for you. I'm going to pray after I pray. We're going to stand and sing, and while we sing, if you need to come and grab one of our encouragers, I'm going to be standing at the front. Zach will be as well. If you are ready to confess Christ as your Lord and Savior today. While we sing, you just come and say, today's the day I want to confess Christ as my Lord right now. He's calling me, and I'm saying yes. Again, he's stopping for you. We're going to stand, he's stopping for you. We're going to sing, he's calling for you. And he's saying, get up. I'm calling you to myself. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to do it today. Let me do it. We're going to stand sing. If that's you, you come. You get up and you come, and we'll help you so that when you walk out of here today, you will be walking with Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to help you with that. So I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to sing, and you come. You come. If the rest of us, if you need to come and pray about those who are passing by, just calling out their name to the Lord, do it. Use this time for his glory. Let him use this message in our life and position us towards his purposes.